I'm Nicole Matthews, corporate America dropout turned entrepreneur and owner of The Henley Company, an event travel and lifestyle management firm. It wasn't that long ago that I was dreading my drive to my fancy corporate job each day or felt disenfranchised with the work I was doing. In 2007, I jumped off the corporate escalator and directly into the elevator of opportunity. Today, I'm an author, speaker, educator, and serial asker. I wholeheartedly believe that your life changes when you start creating your own opportunities and making big asks. Hands down, the business and life I have today is 100% the product of giving myself permission to design the life I want to live. It was always my dream to work at the Olympics, and by making a big ask, that dream became a reality. I now have multiple Olympic projects to add to my life resume. I created the Big Ask Podcast to share these best practices with you. Whether you're an entrepreneur hungry for revenue-generating tips or an individual restless to make a significant change, the life you want to live could be just one big ask away. Get ready to be entertained by real life stories, no filter conversations, and inspired by the daily hustle. So let's get started. This is the Big Ass Podcast. Welcome to the Big Ask Podcast. We are laying down the tracks for episode one today, and we couldn't be more excited. My name is Nicole Matthews, and I like big asks, and I cannot lie. After 20 years in the event industry, the last 10 of those as an entrepreneur, and now as an author, speaker, and professor, I feel I'm at a professional and personal junction where my experience and continued zest for learning have intersected. I thrive when I surround myself with brilliance, which can be found not only in individuals, but also in the spoken word, an action, or a belief. The Big Ask podcast will invite entrepreneurs, community leaders, unsung heroes, and average Joes and Janes to sit at the table to share their brilliance. We will have conversations that inspire, challenge, and hopefully teach. In my book, Permission, Stop Competing and Start Creating the Life You Want to Live, I talk a lot about how making big asks has changed the trajectory of my life. I'm excited to use podcasting as the platform to share more stories of others making the big ask. The motto of the Big Ask podcast is that real is easier than perfect. In this spirit, we will invite guests who are ready to be real instead of being committed to perfection. Everyone has a backstory that shaped them into their current version. We can all learn from these stories and the defining moments that propel change. That's where the great nuggets can be found. I hope you enjoy episode one of the Big Ask podcast and I'm delighted to introduce you to Jennifer Borba von Stauffenberg, president of Olive Creative Solutions. Hi, Jen. Hi. How are you? Wonderful. It's good, so good. great to be here with you for your first yes. podcast. I'm so excited. Thank you. Um, thank you for inviting us into the amazing Olive Creative Strategies headquarters. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks so, for being here. Of course. So um, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for many years, but I know that our listeners don't. So can you give me just like your 30 second, who is Jen and Olive Creative Services or Strategies? Sorry. Sure. No worries. Um, so my name's Jen and I've been in PR for about 18 years. Olive Creative Strategies has been in existence for a little over nine years. And we specialize in marketing and public relations with with a big, strong focus on media relations, social media, corporate social responsibility, and a lot of different needs right now. Um, we just recently rebranded from all of um, PR, excuse me, all of PR solutions. It's already out of my mind. <laughs> and um, the reason we did that is because there is a changing marketplace and people need more to make the same impact. Um, there's a lot of noise out there. And so we really wanted to create an opportunity to provide people with all of the solutions that they need for their marketing programs. Great. Awesome. So let's just jump into something fun, right? Yeah. Kind of shake off the nerves a bit. So sure. tell me something about yourself that is a fun fact that most people, when they first meet you, wouldn't know. Oh, a fun fact. Mm -hmm. Well, I got into PR because I went to a concert when I was six years old and my dad came home one day from work with tickets to see Cindy Lauper and Culture Club. <laughs> and I was so excited. So he sent me to my room um, and told me to wear as many bracelets as I could and to find the poofiest skirt that I had. Love it. And um, the real inspiration comes from that night. I was six years old standing there. Um, I came from a small town, so I had never seen people with like mohawks and pink hair. <laughs> and I remember Cindy Lauper was on the stage and she was sharing that this emotional message. And at the time I was six years old. So I thought she was saying that you could have mohawks and pink hair as long as you took showers. Because oh. <laughs> she was saying to be clean. And right. um, at the time, you know, it was the big 
you know, it was about equality and it was about um, awareness about AIDS. And I was seeing everyone around me cry and be so moved, but I didn't understand the depth of the topic. And what I decided when I was that little was that I wanted to help people like Cindy Lauper get messages to audiences to help them to live happier lives. Okay. Because I could tell that what she was saying was moving them deeply. And, um, at the time I thought she was saying to take showers, which I still think is so funny. I went to see her show um, when I was about 21 and she did a similar piece Mm -hmm. and I fell into my chair and just started crying. I was just so blown away that all these years I had carried that story, not realizing the depth of the conversation and how serious of a topic it really was. Did you ever sport the mohawk? I have never sported the mohawk. (laughs) No, but well, now that you have a son, right? I can... like to rock asymmetrical hair, but just no yes. mohawks. Yes. I always tell my hairdresser, no shaving. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. I loved reading about Cindy Lauper in your bio. And I hope maybe one day that you have the opportunity to, to meet her, to share. I have. I oh, actually have, have oh, met okay. her and yeah. I have shared that with her. Oh, and great. she just thought it was so funny. Oh, that's great. Um, it, it still cracks me up, but I, I genuinely, I think for years I would tell that story and say like, and then she told them that they could have mohawks as long as they took showers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So before you started Olive, what were you doing before? What's your career trajectory? So I knew what I wanted to do from the time I was six, but I didn't know Mm -hmm. it was called public relations. So I um, went to SDSU. I was lucky enough to go there and realize that it was one of the top three schools for public relations. And I've just been so lucky. I got out of college. I got my first job from my college project. It Mm -hmm. turned into a full-time position. Amazing. And that was um, in 2001 when unfortunately 9-11 happened. And so that position was eliminated and I knew it was going to be eliminated because of the crash of the market. Mm -hmm. And I had already started to apply, literally got the call from an exposition at 8.30 AM the next day. Um, And I kind of got into real estate public relations. Okay. And then um, moved into more consumer lifestyle stuff. And right before I started Olive, I was working at another agency that was predominantly consumer lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I always say that I could have been happy there forever. Um, I am a loyal personality. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it almost has to get very uncomfortable for me to make that change. Um, And I always say it was like a a plant in a pot that if I would have stayed in the same pot, I would have never flowered again. Yeah. Um, And I realized with a lot of pushing from friends and family that it was time for me to go out on my own. Mm-hmm. And I, I, right before I started all of, there was, you know, one other agency that I said I would work at if, and so I wrote them and they didn't have a position available. And I thought, Ooh, <laughs> it's time <laughs> That's to the do sign. this. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I, um, took the leap and it was really amazing. I, um, at the time was part of a group called ladies who launch. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I, the moment I printed those business cards and I said it out loud, yeah. there was so much support and people mm-hmm. just came out of everywhere from every part of my life to support this. So I could really maintain integrity with the last agency that I worked at and mm-hmm. totally tap into a new community instead of leveraging what I had earned and gained there. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so that felt really good to be able to have like a really clean Nice. Ethical start. Yeah. When I uh, left the law firm that I was working at to start my business, it was the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's important. A lot of times people want to be sort of hidden about that next chapter Mm -hmm. of their life. Right. And, and for me, I was very open about it. Like I am the square peg in the round hole here. You know, I I could probably work here forever and be fine in life, Mm -hmm. you know, but like you, I wasn't feeling like I was flowering. And so it was time to move on. And so for me, I was very open with talking to my director of marketing and just said, look, this is where I'm headed eventually. And when I eventually left the firm, they became one of my first clients. Oh, that's and so, amazing. You know, so I, 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 I always encourage people who are on that brink of, is it time to leave? Should I start my own thing? Is being very open with the current employer that you mm-hmm. have. Because nine times out of 10, you probably have a great relationship with them. It's mm-hmm. just that you're ready to evolve into somebody new and take on a new challenge. And so don't hide it from you know, your, your current company, right. Be open with them. And a lot of times it turns out like, it sounds like with you, you had a great relationship with those, that community when you left, they're probably very supportive. Like me, you know, they, they um, were, became one of my first clients. So that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I talk to the team about it all the time. I always say, you know, I know that this isn't everyone's forever, but please trust me that 
if you're ready to go, I, I'd rather help you than mm-hmm. for us to be on opposing sides yeah. of, of your goal. Like, let me just support you. I know everyone. Can I help yes, you? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And I think that's important just as, as women, you know, and maybe we've learned being employed by other people and now business owners ourselves that you kind of want to be, you know, we can create the manager that we wanted. Totally. I, and I think that's what Olive really has become is a compilation of the things I loved. Yeah. And also looking at the things that didn't work for me at other places and making sure that that doesn't exist here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know many of your olives. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it is predominantly female. So Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit. It's all female. (laughs) And, um, so how intentional was that when you first started the business and kind of now that you're nine years in, you know, again, it's still all female. So, are you intending to keep it the girls club or, or I've never intended to keep it the girls club. It's just that when we have an opening, we get applications and I will be honest that I get excited every time I see that there is a male that Mm -hmm. is applying, but the girls are just badass. They always win. And I don't know if it's just our industry is predominantly female. And why is that? Do you think, you know, what's really, I I don't know what bothers me the most though. And I think that this is something that we all have to look at within is that when you look at like PR week or some of the larger publications that do the awards, Mm -hmm. it's like, we're, you know, 80% female or something like that. But then the people, the award recipients are male. And it drives me crazy right? because I hardly ever come across male PR professionals. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why that occurs, even yeah. in our industry that's predominantly female, that there are, you know, these men that are getting awarded and you're just not seeing the women in that's these so particular issues. It drives me nuts. But also, I have to ask myself the same question because as an agency, I'm not really into going after awards. Yeah. So we um, don't spend our time doing that. We spend our time focused on the results for our clients. Mm-hmm. And then I get in this debate with myself about, well, then you can't complain when you see that yeah. it's a bunch of men being honored in this industry. Right. So. Maybe they're better at promoting themselves. Than, perhaps. Yes. Perhaps. <laughs> yes. Or, or who's issuing those awards? Like who's yeah, determining those awards? I don't are. know the ins yeah. and outs. I haven't spent yeah. a lot of time in it, but I always cringe when I'm looking through the right. publication. And, and maybe they are amazing and they yeah. deserve the honor. But yeah. in a female dominant industry, you would think that there would be a better balance sure. in, uh, you know, Right. those awards. Right. Issues. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about storytelling. I know that's near and dear yes. to your heart and um, you're, you guys are great at telling a client's story, but mm-hmm. let's first start with Olive's story. So what is our Olive's story? <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> well, Olive's mission is to align with powerfully positive individuals and brands to ensure that they make the greatest impact possible. So our story is really about aligning with these people who are passionate about what they're doing and really committed to changing people's lives. Mm -hmm. And we've been so fortunate from the very beginning. One of our very first clients was Art San Diego. Mm -hmm. And um, that was new for me because before that I'd really worked only on national campaigns. And so it kind of became a San Diego agency right out of the gate, which I didn't intend. Mm -hmm. And then our second client was Susan G. Komen for The Cure San Diego. That was more of a well-known brand. So we kind of got the San Diego start and then we quickly signed some of the national consumer lifestyle clients that we still work with today, like PMD. Mm -hmm. And um, it evolved a little. We've just grown from, you know, it was just me in the beginning in my little apartment Mm -hmm. until I couldn't handle the workload. And we've just evolved and grown um, really by virtue of growth from our clients. Our clients really refer new clients to us. And it's just been really beautiful. I think that we're probably a more understated agency than some of the others because of, you know, what I just mentioned about the awards. Mm-hmm. It's such so important to us to be great at what we're doing mm-hmm. and to kind of not worry about the things that are not as important to that result. Sure. We always say here, it's about the results of the result. Mm-hmm. And we become an extension of our clients, become part of their groups. For example, um, we represent Little Italy mm-hmm. Improvement Association, and we're so ingrained in that community, in this community, it's mm-hmm. where my office is, 
um, kind of, I'm on the edge, um, (laughs) that we become just a a fabric, a part of that. And I think that's happened with so many of our clients and that's, that is so much about who we are. And we've had some really fun breaks. We got the opportunity to work with Bigsley Event House and, um, that grew from getting to work with them in San Diego to, over 25 markets throughout the US. Mm -hmm. And then they most recently introduced us to P1440, Mm -hmm. which is a new event series mirrored by a digital community that's being led by a group of founders, one of which is Carrie Walsh Jennings, Mm -hmm. the three-time gold medal, uh, one-time bronze medal, uh, beach volleyball Olympian. So we've just had an awesome run of really good people, Mm -hmm. um, just impeccable people coming to us um, to help them illuminate their greatness. And that's the tagline we use because Uh one of the things I think that really differentiates us from some of the stereotypes of PR is that we're really looking to align with greatness. We want all our job is just to shine the spotlight on the great things that people are doing. Mm -hmm. And it is so fun when you get to function like that. Right. You know, I even see it in cartoons where they will be like, oh, they're spinning the PR story. And it just bums me out because that's what people think PR is. Really, our job is to shine the spotlight on amazing things. Mm -hmm. And so we've just been really lucky to get to do that over the years with so many different organizations from nonprofits to communities. We work with Liberty Station. We work with two communities in the Bay Area, Redwood City and San Leandro. Mm -hmm. And now we're starting to work with Uptown Whittier. Okay. And so it's about finding that essence that makes something special and then sharing that. Right. I I, I think your point about, you know, spinning PR, I mean, nowadays with cable news and it just feels like, you know, you wait 10 minutes and something else on Twitter is a new crisis for somebody. Right. And, and, and so, you know, how do you continue to clear out the clutter and shine that you know, illuminate that greatness, like totally. you, like you said, when you've got so much noise and news right now, like how do yeah. you break through that? Well, when I was younger, I wanted to be a journalist until I realized that in order to be successful in journalism, I'd have to do those stories. Like if it bleeds, it leads kind of thing. Okay. And then I realized I could jump to the other side and do the PR where even if it was just a fraction of the day, I could still minutes from and, and, you know, a morning show mm-hmm. and have it be about positive news. Mm-hmm. I think there's people like me who are looking for the positive. Mm-hmm. I close my eyes and cover my ears when I start to see smut in the yeah. media. And there's nothing more refreshing than those like good news stories right. that come through and like really fill you up. And I want to be a part of that. Right. And so I'm um, sure if people like hearing about that sensationalism, they're going to follow it. Like mm-hmm. I don't watch, like the only kind of reality TV I watch is like America's Got Talent. Right. <laughs> American Idol. Um, but real people doing real things. Which yeah. is, I think is really beautiful and exciting, but it's yeah. a positive story. So sure. I think you're going to find whatever you're looking for. If people want to find negative news, they'll find it. Um, when I read the news, I'm looking for positive things mm-hmm. and inspiring stories. Mm-hmm. My Facebook is so smart. It knows that about me. <laughs> So that's what I see. Yeah. And so difficulty in breaking through the clutter, I think it's about consistency mm-hmm. for all of our clients. It's about being loud and proud and, and sharing authentically what they're doing. When you are really in alignment with your project and purpose, you're mm-hmm. going to attract those same type of people. Right. And so, you know, over time, if you're consistent, you'll start to weave out that negative stuff. Sure. So how does, how does a new entrepreneur create their story. You know, if I'm starting a flower business or Mm -hmm. a new restaurant, or I want to become, you know, a lawyer, where's, how do I, how do I create my story from a brand perspective? Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple ways to look at it. First, you have to identify if you want to be part of your business story, or if Mm -hmm. you want your business to develop its own story. Mm -hmm. So I always use the example of me and Olive. Okay. I was Olive in the beginning until I wasn't anymore. Right. Um, And that's why when I just shared our story, I talked more about Olive Mm -hmm. as a business and organization and left like my personal stuff out. When I talk about my personal story, I talk about, you know, being a pot that needed to be replanted. Right. Right. Um, I think that the distinction is what you want. Do you want to be positioned as a thought leader Mm -hmm. or do you just want to build your brand story? Okay. And there's lots of brand corporations, for example, where you don't even know the name of the CEO unless you research it because Mm -hmm. their face is not the brand. So that's the first decision that you need to make. The second thing is that it really should be an authentic story. So if you have a really cool story and you want to leverage that for your brand, 
awesome and you should share it. If your brand doesn't have, if the story isn't there so much, it could be that you identify a strong mission. Mm -hmm. It could be that you build your brand story by a community outreach program that you create. A lot of times it should, I always say that, you know, you should start with the quality product and service that you're creating and build Mm -hmm. a story around that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's lots of different things that you could do. At Olive, we do a branding discovery process where we take clients through a series of questions to help them extract the authentic story. Sure. A lot of times people don't even see their story until you tell them, are you kidding? That's so amazing. (laughs) That's your story right Right. there. Everyone's going to love that. And I think sometimes people get really caught up in having like a sensational story when sometimes we just love to hear about a good person doing a good thing that Mm -hmm. makes a difference. And, and just identifying the why Mm -hmm. um, is usually enough to get the story started. And then you build on your story by being consistently consistent Mm -hmm. at what you say you do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's, you know, I, as young business owners, I think sometimes people focus so much on what's the color of my website going to be. Totally. You know, they get caught up in that sort of creative space, but they mm-hmm. don't have any brand or strategy behind the creative. You have to tell people how to talk about your brand. Mm-hmm. If you don't, they'll make it up. And if mm-hmm. you can't talk about your brand consi- concisely, then nobody else will. And right. then there's going to be a lot of market confusion. In the earliest days of my company, people used to always say we were an art agency. Mm. And really only a tiny fraction of what we did was art. Right. Um, I'm an art collector. So, you know, if you walk into my office spaces, you'll see, or my home that there's art everywhere. Um, so it kind of started to brand us. Right. Um, and then in the earliest days I had an art gallery in my office. And so it just created a lot of confusion sure. and I would always say, no, we're not just an art. I mean, we do art, yeah. but we do this and this and this and this. Right. And I was constantly correcting that. I think people just need to be consistent and feel and be worthy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, we're talking about being humble, not mm-hmm. shouting from rooftops and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that it takes confidence for people to stick to their story and to feel like their story is good enough. Right. I could walk down the street and talk to any single person and extract a story. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a story. Right. Everything has a story. Right. Even, you know, sitting on this table, we have these little olive tree coasters. Mm-hmm. They're made out of, they're, they're olive branches. Those have a story. It would be right. very easy for me to contact that company and say, I have a story for you. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. I think a lot of times people feel too, like it's self-promotion, like it feels mm-hmm. icky to them to yeah. tell their story, you know, where, when in reality, that's what draws people to their business. Totally. You know? So how do we get out of that mindset of like, I'm bragging versus this is authentically who we are and why we started the business. And this is the good we're doing in the world, totally. if you will. You know, I think that's a really difficult one. I was raised in a house, ironically, where you weren't allowed to talk about yourself. Like if, uh, if, if somebody had something nice to say about you, then that was then awesome. Yeah. But you know, so when you're raised thinking that Mm -hmm. or being told that that's how it should be, Mm -hmm. it becomes difficult. And it is so funny because I run a PR firm, but I still struggle with that a little. What I always have to remind myself of is that sharing your story, if sharing your story is going to help more people find out about something that's going to improve their life, mm-hmm. then it's worth you putting yourself aside for a moment to mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. And if you knew that telling your story in a more concise, brilliant way would change people's lives, you would do it. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because I'll sit and listen to people tell their stories. And then I sit and think, wow, why don't I like telling my own story? That is so strange. Yeah, But there is a lot of vulnerability Mm -hmm. in being interviewed for a story. Mm -hmm. You might be um, misquoted Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe you aren't misquoted, but maybe in the context of where they use the quote, it feels like it's a little bit off. And what I always try and remind my clients is that when that happens, you're the only person that realizes it. Nobody is hung up on that word or that sentence like you are. Right. But it is hard and it is... Uh, we've started and stopped PR campaigns for Olive all the time mm-hmm. because sometimes I have that same experience of vulnerability that other right. people have and go, I don't, right. why are they talking to me? Yeah. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Right, right, so. right. I think the power of voice, you know, we're seeing that right now with the um, movements like hashtag me too, mm-hmm. or even the remarkable work that the students in Parkland, Florida 
have created it, you know? So it's like, you know, here's a group of teenagers that are amplifying their voice and Mm -hmm. doing it so brilliantly and really creating change. And, you know, what can we take as, as adults, you know, looking at that or as business owners and say, there is power in, in amplifying your voice and your message hundred percent, and staying consistent to it, which is, I think really profound what those, that group of students, at least from what, you know, we're seeing from the outside is that they're all very driven to stay consistent with that message and how powerful that is. You know, they're not all sort of becoming individualized. It's like as a collective unit. Totally. I think it's a lot about connection. I think we're all hungry for connection. And I think that if we could see that when we shared our story that other Mm -hmm. people saw themselves, it's like what we see in the world is a mirror Mm -hmm. of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so with those kids, we would like to believe when we see them, we would be just as powerful that we could step in or that we could support them in some way and make a difference because they're doing something that maybe we don't have the courage to do. Right. And it lights and ignites this passion in us. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I want to be like them when I grow up. Exactly. Exactly. I know. But I think a lot of it is really about the mirror, you know, and I think so often we're afraid to step out and and amplify our voice Mm -hmm. because of the criticism. Um, but I read this quote on the on Facebook this weekend or Instagram, and it had said, "What you think about me is a reflection of what you think about yourself." Oh yeah. And I thought, oh, that totally hits because yeah. it's so true. When you see somebody with a beautiful selfie on Instagram, do you smile and go, "Wow, they're so beautiful," or right. do you go, "Oh my gosh, she's so into herself." Right. You know. Right. And I, um, I honestly am one of those people that goes, "Wow, she's." So pretty yeah. or, Oh, she's feeling herself today. I love it. You know? And, um, I, when I read that quote, it really resonated because, mm-hmm. you know, those people who are going to maybe have a negative response are just coming from a place of pain. Yeah. And that's really sad. And right. so, you know, maybe just send them out some love and hope Absolutely. that they have a better day tomorrow because, you going out and sharing something that's passionate should ignite mm-hmm. passion, not right. bring out the worst in others. Absolutely. Even yeah. though it does, it's, it's really difficult. Yeah. No, there are days, isn't there? There are days. So how do you decide who's a good client for Olive or mm-hmm. not? We have a lot of things that we've collected. We have a list (laughs) and the most important thing, always the basis of it is whether or not a client create has a quality product or service. Okay. Um, the second thing is that their values need to be in alignment with ours. Mm -hmm. Um, the third thing is that everyone, um, that's going to be working on it needs to be comfortable recommending it to their family and friends. Okay. And so if a client meets those three criteria, then we go on to like the next things, but those are the most important ones. And if any of those, if there's even just a little bit of hesitation, it's a no. Okay. Um, because we want people to get in alignment with the right agency for them, you know, um, it's not fair for a client to have somebody representing them who doesn't believe in them. Sure. And there's mm-hmm. people who will. It's like some people are very, you know, it's it's like politics. Right. Some people would be happy representing the Republican Party and yep. some people happy with the Democratic Party, sure. but you can't, you could never do the wrong one for right. yourself. Right. You know? And we don't do politics here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if they meet those three criteria, then we go to the next things, which are more like business questions, but the values one is really important to me. And the recommending to family and friends is like an easy question to ask. Yeah. So I think oftentimes as business owners, Mm -hmm. right, you know, we, we get caught up in chasing the dollar, you know? And so how did young Jen, you know, when you first started your business, you know, how does, how do you, how do you get to the place where it's okay to say no when, you have rent and you have food and you have obligations, you know? So I think there's always a comfort in being a business owner at some level when you get to say no, but at some point, you know, kind of in the beginning, we're afraid to say no. Right. So how do you, how did you bridge that gap? So I always stuck to those top Mm -hmm. three, even from the beginning, Mm -hmm. even if it caused me to fall onto the floor crying, which did happen (laughs) on a couple of occasions. Um, You know, you just want to say yes so bad, but you know that you just can't do it. In PR, you are the face, you represent people. So you have to believe in it. And Mm -hmm. if you don't, you have no business working on it. Um, But what 
I did early on, which was really powerful, is I went to this workshop that New Yorka does. Um, it's called Supreme Influence into Action. And she talks a lot about things like this. And one of the phrases that she says over and over and over again is nothing great leaves your life without something better replacing it. Oh, and okay. so I used to like doodle that yeah. whenever I would feel uneasy. Yeah. And there were there have been days where I remember one one day I lost which was at the time the biggest client. And, um, by noon I had secured like 150% of that budget back in a different way. And I think that you have to be okay with letting things go that aren't Mm -hmm. a fit. Yeah. Because then the more that you're clear about what you want, the more that you'll attract the things that are a fit. Right. And that's just my belief system. I know that some people don't believe in that Mm -hmm. and that fine. It's probably right. not working very well for them. Right. <laughs> but I think that you have to, it's just like any kind of relationship mm-hmm. where when it's up, it's up. It's so much better to let something go right. that is no longer in alignment so right. that you could connect with the right thing. Right. Um, but it is hard sometimes. I mean, when you're worried about paying salaries mm-hmm. and paying rent and making ends meet and you have all these families that depend on your business. Sure. Um, sure. But I just, I, the way that I look at it is that it has always worked out. Mm -hmm. It will always work out. And it's so much worse if you have to go to bed at night and be out of your integrity. Yeah, absolutely. When I first left, probably two years, I would say two or three years into my business after um, starting my event company, I had a law firm who approached me to do something that was probably more in line with with your work. um, Because a lot of times... I think you and I've had this conversation before events and PR sort of get mixed into this bucket together, right? Like, so why as an event company, can't you just do PR? I mean, how hard could that be? Yeah. Right? And well, that's how we met, right? right? Exactly. I said, we do PR, we don't do events, right. but I exactly. have this person that yes. I could recommend. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So first of all, let's just, you know, make sure everyone understands that those are two different buckets and they should be kept buckets. But I made the mistake of taking on a law firm as a, as a client. Mm. And it was probably about six weeks into that, that I suddenly, I just woke up one day and I was like, why did I do that? I left a law firm for the reason, for a reason and no disrespect to lawyers and law firms and all of that, but it just was not authentically who I wanted to be. And I actually got to the place where I returned part of a retainer Mm -hmm. to them and actually paid them back. And, and it was not, fun and it's not easy to send thousands of dollars. But it probably back. felt so it good. was amazing. Like as soon as that call was was had and the check was sent, it was like, okay, now I'm back in alignment with who I am. Totally. You know? So so it was a great lesson in not chasing, you know, not chasing yeah. the dollar. Cause I I've think made, we get caught up in that. Totally. I've made a lot of mistakes like that over the over the years where there could be somebody that convinces me in that moment when mm-hmm. I'm trying to make the decision that mm-hmm. I should do something right. or Oh, you're you're reading too much into that, or I didn't I didn't get that at all in the meeting. Yeah. And I just have learned over the years that if I'm not listening to my gut, right, like I'm gonna it's, I'm gonna have a bigger mess to clean up later. Yeah, absolutely. And after having to clean up the mess, or just having to you know barely hold my head up when I'm like I am so sorry, this isn't a fit. That yeah. I just don't want to do that to people anymore. Right. And right. Um, but it still gets confusing when you yeah. have people in your ear about, you know, and maybe they're coming from a place of fear or lack mm-hmm. or concern because they don't see the overall strategy or what it is that right. you have in store. Right. But a lot of times I've made bad decisions by being sort of hit in the gut when yeah. I am at that critical moment mm-hmm. of, you know, either stepping into my power or cowering down. And it's yeah. like, for whatever reason, in those weak moments, sometimes you say, okay, you know what? It's not going to be that big of a deal if I say yes this right. time. And then yeah. it backfires. A hundred percent of the time. Yeah. It's not like sometimes it's every time. No, I know. I know. So what are you currently working on that excites you? I have so many cool projects that we have going on right now. Uh, P1440 is one of the most exciting ones. As I mentioned, mm-hmm. that's the event series mirrored by the digital community. Um, there will be um, a professional beach volleyball tournament um, paired with a music festival, a health and wellness village, and developmental programs mm-hmm. for athletes. And it's going to start in four cities this year. Okay. And then it will grow beyond that. Um, it is so exciting to see the partners and their values are so in alignment with who I want to show up mm-hmm. to be in the world that mm-hmm. it just feels like such an honor to work with them. Oh, amazing. And then I'm always so connect. Like I just, I love the communities that we work with because mm-hmm. 
I think building a community is like the core of your life. You know, yep. it's like what you do and live every day. So mm-hmm. we have, like I said, the the communities I mentioned earlier, but then we also work with um, some luxury high rises downtown. And I am just such a fan of living your ideal life. Mm-hmm. And these communities really create such an amazing experience for people. One of them is Alexa and ALX. Mm-hmm. And then we work with Savina by Bosa and Pacific Gate by Bosa. Mm-hmm. And they're just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I just feel like people who are choosing to live there are like choosing themselves yes. and putting right. their lifestyle right. as a priority. Yeah, And that is so cool and exciting. So I love those. We also have um, consumer life. I mean, I, I love all of our clients for different reasons. Sure. Like I could sit here and name all 30 of them and tell you <laughs> like why I love them. Um, you don't because- have a favorite child? I don't have a favorite child. Um, There are certain days when certain media hits happen and opportunities where I'm like, this is why I'm alive. I was born to do this. But it, you know, it definitely, there's something cool about all of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's amazing. So what do you think uh, when a client is deciding on a PR Mm -hmm. agency in the spirit of the big ask, what are some questions that companies or clients should be asking their agency definitely to make sure that they're a good fit. Right. I think that it should be the same kind of things that I mentioned mm-hmm. that we look for. Mm-hmm. It should be similar, you know, are their values aligned? Mm-hmm. Um, do they have actual quality services right. that they provide? And the best way to find that out is to ask for references of, from other clients. Okay. okay cannot speak all of a sudden, um, <laughs> references for, of clients so that they can ask clients directly. Our sure. clients would tell the truth. Mm-hmm. They should also be looking for evidence of results. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they need to find an agency that has experience with results in the industry that they're in. Sure. There's a lot of times where if you find somebody who's like an awesome professional who's broken free to start a freelance mm-hmm. consultancy or something like that, where taking a chance on those types of people is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started my own agency, people took a chance on me and they got an incredible rate because I was starting out. Right. So there's special circumstances, I think, where you can kind of like test the waters a little. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, agencies should have portfolio of work that demonstrates their capabilities. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that uh, the team structure is really important. Uh, A lot of agencies, I'm very transparent. I don't work as much on accounts anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I work on strategy, but my team does. Mm -hmm. And we make sure that we have qualified account executives who lead the accounts and then they have support staff. Right. Um, Making sure that there is a qualified person. Our criteria at our agency is that we don't ever have a client work with an account executive who doesn't have experience. They're paying us for the experience. Otherwise they would be doing it themselves. right? Right. So we have like a program here with our young staff. When there's a new client that is coming on board, if it's their first time leading an account, we offer them like a 50% discount Oh, okay. so that it's transparent right sure. from the start. Sure. I know, you know, and this works great for companies who can't quite afford our full budget. Mm-hmm. And we can say, you know, we actually do have an opportunity right now to train one of our young team members. Mm-hmm. It's going to be half the budget, but... The disclaimer is that you're going to have a supervisor who's overseeing this, but yeah. she's not, she hasn't done this before. Okay. Um, and I've heard from a lot of other agencies that are from people that it doesn't quite work like that okay. in other places. Okay. Um, and the other thing too, I think is just um, communication. Mm-hmm. You know, how often are you going to be engaging with these people? How accessible will they be to you? Right. And what is the strategy? Is there a strategy? Like at our agency, we have, we call it the olive way. Mm -hmm. We consistently do things a certain way and we consistently get great results as a result. It's important to know that there is a strategy versus just getting what you can get. Right. Because you can't tell a great story if you're just getting the easy stuff. Sure. Sure. Um, For example, we represent Little Italy. And when we first met with a client, we asked him, how will you know this is going to be a success? How will you know when this campaign has been successful? Mm -hmm. And he said, when there's women and children, when women walking down the street with strollers. And so instantly, instead of talking just about the nightlife and Mm -hmm. um, restaurants and all of those adult activities, we thought, oh, well, if that's how you're going to measure this, then we really need to talk about the family activities and things like that. Right. And so we changed our entire strategy and really focused on 
developing that story, knowing mm-hmm. that that was actually how the client was going to measure the result. Interesting. Yeah. So it's really, I think every business is a little bit different, but if you know that the agency that you're working with aligns with your values, you know that you're going to have an actual skilled, experienced team working for you. Right. And you have evidence that they care about not just the results of media hits mm-hmm. or you know increased followers and things like that, right. but the result of the result that they're right. asking questions like, you know, how many sales occurred as a result of this media hit, sure. or how many additional jobs became available as a result of this media campaign, mm-hmm. things like that. I think one of the misnomers for PR is that people always think that they have a, the unique unicorn right? And that, that they're going to be on the Today Show tomorrow totally. because, you know, their story is is unique. And yes, we've talked about the fact that everybody does have a unique story, totally. but I think in PR, people also have to have patience, totally, right? And so how do you navigate that for clients who feel very anxious? I'm spending a lot of money and I'm not totally. seeing, you know, results in 72 hours. So what's the, what's the process for sort of coaching them through their their relationship with you. Sometimes there's no way to overcome that because even if you say it, they still in their mind think that they're the unicorn. Yeah. And sometimes they are the unicorn Mm -hmm. and those are the most fun opportunities. But we're consistent every single time. You know, if it's a local campaign, you're looking at four to six months for a return. If it's a national campaign, six to eight months for a return. Mm -hmm. Even though what you're doing is really special and really cool, you should still count on that when you're looking at budget. Mm -hmm. Almost every single national campaign that we start at four months, we have a difficult conversation because they wanted to be the unicorn. Right. And we always repeat ourselves. We told you from the beginning that this, please stick it out. Um, But then it's really hard because we have had clients that in a month of working with us are on the Today Show. Mm -hmm. Um, We launched P1440 on the Today Show. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it just depends on what it is and how ripe the opportunity is and is the timing right. And part of our job is to distill that down in the beginning Mm -hmm. and be able to set realistic expectations for them. So for example, when P1440 asked me how we were going to launch their campaign, I said, well, since Carrie is a summer Olympian, Mm -hmm. why don't we launch it on the Today Show during the Winter Olympics? And Mm -hmm. I, as I was saying it out loud, I thought, oh my gosh, you've totally lost your mind. What (laughs) if you can't do this? Right. But then it happened and it was amazing. So it worked out because Carrie is a unicorn. Yeah. So she she opens doors because she's incredible. And so I felt confident saying that I could do that because I thought, well, I working with Carrie, like, sure, she's <laughs> going to do that. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then there's been other times with clients who you aren't, you don't know that they're a unicorn mm-hmm. and you announce their story and it goes viral, you know, twice around the globe. Right. And you're just sitting there, you know, in tears with them because it happened. And right. I used to think that there wasn't really a formula that it was just luck until I saw that what really makes those stories go viral is it's that story. It's something that makes people feel things. Mm -hmm. And so when you have those magical clients who are just vibrating at like a different level, they're so on purpose with what they're doing. Their story is so heartfelt Mm -hmm. and so beautiful. It's, it does happen for them. Right. Or it could be something that's a little bit like sensational Mm -hmm. and it clicks and it works. Um, We had a client who had a story on popular science and then it got picked up by that online thing. I effing love science. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) oops, sorry. And it like went around the globe so many times. And then at the end of the year, it was like the top story on that website. So it posted again and it happened again. And then like the next month, Ashton Kutcher shared the story again and it went around the world again. And it was just like, whoa, this yeah. is insane. And then we've had times where I had um, the pleasure of working with Jeremy Cecil Kira. He is an artist who has autism mm. and he has synesthesia. And his mom was told when he was very young to institutionalize him. And she fought for him. Her name is uh, Chantal Cecil Kira. And she's a world-renowned speaker and author on the topic of autism now. And she came in and he wanted to do an art show when he first started doing art. And she said, you know, could you just do a press release for his local art show? And I just said, 
this is amazing. This yeah. isn't just for local. This should be shared nationally. Right. And so my team, um, Courtney Rose, who's on my team, secured incredible media for this. It went viral as well. Yeah. And this young man was on, I can't remember all of it, but it was Today's Show. NBC did a story that syndicated all throughout the US, mm. People Magazine. Yeah. Um, it just went everywhere. And it was so powerful because it really launched his art career. Yeah. His work is incredible. He does these abstract paintings of people's auras. Oh my gosh. And it really helped him to discover his, well, he had already discovered his gift, but it really validated him as an artist. Sure. And so for the first time, people are talking about him as an artist and not focusing on his autism. It's just absolutely beautiful. And the way that the media told his story was just so profound. And so that is when like the stars align and you can't make that stuff up. Right. Not everybody has such a powerful story, but that it's like, those are the opportunities for me that, you know, you just cry yourself to sleep because you're so moved by it. Right. Exactly. Well, I think to your point earlier about sometimes people have to tell their story for others to illuminate their story. To have courage, right? Right, Right. because sometimes people probably come in a little meek and mild, like, here's my story, it's not that exciting. And then you're just pulling nuggets out going, wait a minute, yes, it is. There's a lot of opportunity here. Oh yeah. So again, sharing your story, you know, and let other people really continue to help you find your your path. And think about all the people who just read about somebody and they think, you know, I am just like that. Yeah. I had the same experience and it just really validates people. And so I just get so inspired by people who have the courage mm-hmm. to share their stories because you do have those looky loos who are so negative right. and it's so sad, but right. they take time to jump into like this chain of positive communication right. and say something nasty. Right. And so you have to be prepared for that. And mm-hmm. there is vulnerability in that, but mm-hmm. there's so much beautiful potential when people have the courage to speak out and say what they want to say, uh, what they need to say too. It's really healing for a lot of people to share their story. Absolutely. So when you first started, all of you were in your apartment and then you got that, um, the next was the little Italy office, right? The fun little quirky office Mm -hmm. that you had. We had two quirky offices. You probably didn't know me at the first one. The first one I loved so much and we ended up having to move because the person who owned it was going to sell it. Oh. And so we found our second really second, quirky okay. office. Yeah. And the, now you're in a high rise in San Diego. Mm-hmm. It feels, you know, very corporate in the lobby and you know, you're in a high rise and then you come into the olive space and it's still has a little bit of quirk in it. Right. But yeah. you and I, I have had conversations previously about sort of making that transition, mm-hmm. kind of growing up, if you will, and having to take on the grown up office. Mm-hmm. So what was that like for you? And six months since we've had that conversation have you felt more settled here? I know it took you a while to to sort of find your legs here. Yeah, I was really uncomfortable in the beginning. Our old office was like a dream, indoor, outdoor, um, just Rob Quigley's design. (laughs) It was just out there. And, you know, every time people walked up, it was an experience for them too, Mm -hmm. to see it. They had the same experience that I did. It was just like, wow, this is so crazy. I had no idea this is up here. And so moving into this more corporate environment um, really tested me a little because I felt like people didn't walk in and just get an idea of who we are right out of the gate. It felt like, um, it reminds me of when I was a teenager and my dad bought me this new car and I had this like quirky car that I had been driving and I just felt like, does this fit me? Like, Mm -hmm. what does this say about me? Which is so silly. But um, it took me a little while. It took some art and some murals and Mm -hmm. some stuff to make it feel more like home. Mm -hmm. Oddly, I feel very comfortable here now. And I have grown... Like I'm used to now how polished it is. Yes. But in the beginning, it's like, I just wanted to come in and rough it up because right. I just felt like, who am I trying to be? Right. I feel like such a poser. This is so serious. <laughs> and, and so that was the conversation you and I had yeah, you know, six I months ago. So like, I, I don't know. It was just such a different feeling at the old yeah. office. It was just so warm and inviting. Mm-hmm. It felt like it was actually a converted home. Mm-hmm. So it had this like, you know, family and friends would come over and just sit on the couches and hang out. Right. And all of a sudden it was like, am I allowed to touch this? Yeah. What does this do? Right, right. And I have adjusted, but I think it is a lot to do with like worthiness stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember being about 26 years old and sort of 
skipping down the street during my lunch break. Cause I was like walking to the beach thinking like, I can't believe people pay me to do this. Like, yeah. do I really know what I'm doing? Right. And so there was a little bit of that for me sure. moving into this office. Yeah. Like, yeah. how am I going to sustain this? Right. Like, who do I think I am? Right. Am I really a grown up even? Yeah. <laughs> like what is happening? Right. Well, you've done a wonderful job. It's beautiful. Well, here, thank you. So, yes. I have grown to like really love it. And yeah. With the help of Sarah Stiber and her gorgeous art and mm-hmm some murals. I really do finally yeah, feel, feel, it just like, needed to be like warmed up yeah. with, um, just some statement pieces of art that helped to express right. us a little right. bit better. Right. Well, job well done. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, let's talk a little bit about mentors. Who sure. have you, who do you count as sort of mentors in your life? Well, I feel like every phase of my life has called forth a new mentor. Mm-hmm. And so it's so interesting. It's an interesting question. Probably there's there's definitely a handful of people who have stood out the most. I mentioned Nirika earlier. Mm-hmm. I used to be an introvert and I was shy and I was really good at my work, but not vocal about it. Mm-hmm. I was the under the radar, like the one that was probably doing the most work because I didn't complain about it kind right, of employee. Right. And I went to her workshop because I was so inspired by how she sold. And I remember at the time I had just one free ticket to England for like an international women's business conference. And it was like that flight was included to that. And then it was through British Airways. So you could get a flight to anywhere else. And like that was on their list of locations for free. In addition, after the conference, it was so cool. Right. Wow. And so I had this lined up, but then I went to see New York speak and I swear that I was levitating by the end of this. Mm -hmm. And her workshop, which was the seven day program fell on the same week as this women's conference. Oh gosh. And this was like the first six months of my business. And I literally was like at the end of my savings, it was either going to work or it wasn't going to work at this point. And, um, I used the last of my savings to buy her workshop. And then I forfeited my British Airways ticket. Oh my gosh. And the reason is because I thought if I go to this workshop, then I'll be able to fly myself anywhere in the sure. world anyway. Why do I need British Airways to give me this ticket? I'll let somebody right. else go on that trip and I'm going to go and change my life at this workshop. Okay. And it was totally everything I signed up for. Oh, I remember amazing. I went to her, it's called Supreme Influence in Action. And I went and at first I was a little bit scared because I had not been to a transformational, mm-hmm. um, like powerful workshop like that before. And I thought oh my gosh, this is strange. And I just kept looking around and I was just overwhelmed by the energy in the space. And then it was like the third day I had this powerful breakthrough and, you know, self-realization about something. And I was totally into it. And two weeks after that event, I doubled my business. And it was just, it changed who I was. I became like, I really stepped into my voice and Mm -hmm. stepped into who my like real self-expressed person is. Right. And I don't think until I met her, I had been fully expressed. Mm-hmm. I had been like just a subdued version of right. myself. Right, muted. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it was so powerful. And so I started going to all of her workshops and and still to this day, I hear in my voice when I'm talking, like some of her language uh-huh. and sometimes it makes me laugh. And <laughs> I always try and give her credit because it's it's such a regular part of what I say. Right, right. Um, but, and also through one of her workshops, I decided to become a mom. I had never wanted to be a mom. Oh. And I went to this one workshop called Goddess Garden and I did this meditation that um, it became really clear to me in this meditation that I was supposed to become a mother. And yeah. so that totally changed my life. So yeah. she's been like one of the most influential people. Um, and then there's other people who are like, who are just dear friends. Yeah. Laura Gwynn is one of my dear friends who just helps me work through so many things. Mm-hmm. Just recently, she said this powerful thing to me that just changed my perspective. And she just said, um, Jen, what if you looked at every area of your life without emotion or judgment and just asked what's working and what's not? Mm-hmm. And when you find what's not working, just ask yourself the question, what's next? Yeah. And it's like, wow. after that breakfast, I went home, I literally took the day off and just kind of went through my life and just made a bunch of changes. And she always says things like that, that are just so powerful. It's like, Mm -hmm. it just alters your reality in that Mm -hmm. moment. And if you're paying attention, it could change everything in a really positive way. Yeah. But there's so many. Jeannie Ballard is another good friend. Mm -hmm. She's a healing touch practitioner. Mm -hmm. She's so powerful. I would say that she has definitely been a mentor to me in so many different ways, spiritually, Mm -hmm. professionally, just as a human being. Yeah. And then there's other people too, like a friend of mine named Amy Salbach, 
it wasn't until recently that I realized like how impactful she's been on my life in my life. Mm -hmm. She, um, is one of the people that really inspired me to start Olive. Okay. And I didn't realize that she has shown up in my life at pivotal moments like that all these years. So there's so many, I mean, those are the ones that first come to mind, but it just depends, you know, every stage I've had different business coaches that have really made an impact on Mm me. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now I'm working with a business coach named Shannon Nolan. She has Mm -hmm. a company called Um, Omnitutive and she is just, I meet with her and I just get so clear and I don't even have to make very many changes. It's like all the changes just start to happen Mm -hmm. as they need to. And she just helps me to really get clear on my decisions. And I think that that, you know, it's, it's really about surrounding yourself with people who bring out the best in you and also challenge you when you're not being your best version. Absolutely. And I've just been so fortunate to have so many awesome people around me, you know. You mentioned being a mom. And so um, I've known you long enough to know you pre-auto and post-auto. So first of all, thank you for sharing that beautiful face with us on social media for those of us who get to see it. That child is, I think, unique in that he just radiates happiness. so great. He just radiates happiness. And you can tell that it's not um, you saying, smile now, smile, you know, smile for (laughs) the camera. He definitely owns it. So as somebody who's a voyeur on your personal life um, and getting to see that, I'm, I thank you for, for for, uh, being, you know, kind enough to share him with the world. Cause there are many a day that he, you know, unbeknownst to you is the bright spot in, in a day. So, so what's it like for you being a business owner and a mom and, this notion of, you know, can you have it all and kind of all of that muddiness that comes with what being a working, a working mom. I, I don't know that I ever, I'm not a mom, but um, I don't know that I love the term working mom because I feel yeah. like don't, aren't all moms working all the time. Totally. So, so maybe it's a, a an entrepreneurial mom. I'll, yeah. I'll give you that. So what was that transition like when you first you know, added him to the totally. mix? Well, it was so natural. Mm-hmm. I mean, you put your energy where your values are. Mm-hmm. If you value health and wellness, you are that person that's at the gym every day. If Mm -hmm. you value your family, then you put your time where your family is. I just had to re, I just had to shift things. Mm -hmm. Um, I believed maybe a little bit more in you can have it all Mm -hmm. back then than I do so much today. Mm -hmm. I think that you do have to sacrifice things, but it's just that your priorities change. So what you're sacrificing isn't important anymore. Right. And so I, it was just really natural. Obviously the biggest priority became my family and sure. Otto and myself making sure that I was healthy, which fell off sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my business needed to sustain. And so in times when I, it's just like every, or everything, you know, if you are on a team and one of the players gets injured, mm-hmm. everyone else has to step in. Sure. So I think the most important thing was having the right support around. Mm-hmm. And right now my family is in another transition because mm-hmm. my husband has just launched his business and right. it's doing really well and yeah. growing. Yeah. And so we are having to ask for help again, mm-hmm. where we had a nanny for the first couple of years. And then when my husband started his business, we thought, you know, he's home working from home. Right. We don't really need additional right. help. So we shifted that and we're back in recognizing oh my gosh, we need help. Sure, if sure, we sure. don't want to be doing laundry and cleaning house right. in our every waking hour that we're not at work right. and miss out on playing with auto, like we can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's just being really honest with yourself and sometimes very vulnerable about your shortcomings. Sure. And right now time is my shortcoming. Mm-hmm. And I need, we're looking again for a new mommy helper or like not a nanny because we don't really need him to be, but the point is to have somebody take care of the other things so I can take care of him and play with him and go to the beach. Uh So it's just, it's always an evolving thing. It's like sometimes my husband's busier than I am and sometimes I'm busier than he is. So Mm -hmm. it shifts for a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's it. It's just making sure that all your bases are covered, even if you're not the one doing it, but that somebody... Is it del- you're delegating mm-hmm. to somebody to make sure that all things are covered? Right, right. But um, you know, you it's like, um, is it Carol Sandberg who wrote that book or some article about three areas of focus in life? Mm-hmm. When I read it, I got so mad. I was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. That's not true. And then I was like, oh, geez, it's really true. <laughs> and it's like if you 
you only have space for three things. So family, work, and health or okay. family, work, and friends. Uh-huh. And so the truth for me is that health and friends kind of like teeter. Yep. So what I try and do is meet people for walks so that I go. can... <laughs> Right. Two birds, Keep one stone. Yeah, right. You know, because I don't want, it's like, sometimes I get so focused on work that I lose track of my personal friends. Sure. And then I'm, I feel lonely and sad because yeah. I miss them. Right. So how do you, I, I really still don't know. It's just a constant work in progress. It's, it's just like anything, yeah. right? You yeah. take your attention away from something and you go, oh my gosh, how many weeks has it been since I remember to water the plants? Right. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. I, and, and, you know, I think it's a good, a good sort of closing thought on, you know, asking for help yeah, too, and being okay with that and saying, I'm going to ask for help in the sort of to-do list stuff so that I can have more time with Otto. He's not going to care that you ever had the laundry folded when totally. he grows up, but he's going to remember if I didn't you know, have walks time on to the, watch beach the beach or, yeah. you know, those kinds of things. A hundred percent. And that is a, the hardest thing for me is to ask mm-hmm. for help. It's, yeah. Uh, I struggle with it. Even last week, having the realization that it was time for help mm-hmm. again, it just, it took me like an abnormal amount of time to figure <laughs> this out because I want to be able to do it all, but right. I just, you can't. And I don't want to make myself sick trying. Of course. So, and I think that, you know, my business is growing as well. So there's always, it's, it's about noticing where you need help yep. before anybody's hurt you know, or relationships are struggling because there's angst because not enough, there's not enough time. Yeah. And I think time is the hardest part. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So we uh, close every podcast with some rapid response. Okay. Okay. So this is the fun stuff. So just whatever comes to your head, don't give this any more thought than that. Okay. So title of your lifetime movie. Hmm. Oh, okay. Um, To... Um, transformation took me two minutes, but it took the world two weeks. Oh, very good. Okay. If you could change places with any celebrity right this minute, who would it be and why? Ellen DeGeneres. Love it. Right. Especially because she's in Africa. I know. I am. I actually was researching the giraffe matter because my son's favorite animal, he loves giraffes. And I was blown away by those little video clips that she posted. I love her. And she like makes people happy every day. Absolutely. What a joy that must be to go to work every day. Exactly. When do you feel happiest? Hmm. I feel happiest when I'm boating with my family. Boating with your family. I love That's being true. on the water with them. Yeah. It's like you're disconnected. You're, it's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's the most beautiful way to see San Diego is on yeah. the San Diego Bay. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yesterday, for example, the sun was just so bright and the wind was just perfect right. and the music was on and yeah. we had some friends with us and I nice. just always feel such peace when I'm boating. And yeah. I don't, it's not hard to get there. You just yeah. go to the water. Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> Good for you. If you were running for politics, what would be your biggest campaign promise? I would never run for politics. <laughs> That'd be the promise. <laughs> Right. Okay. Okay. Um, Ultimate dinner party. Which four guests do you invite and why? Hmm, That is a great question. Uh, I mean, the people I enjoy having dinner with the most is my family. So I would say my family, but then like the answer that you're asking is, you know, I am a big Oprah lover. I mean, how fun would it be to sit down with like Oprah, Ellen and somebody like Deepak Chopra or... Beyonce, like (laughs) if you want to go one direction or the other, right? Exactly. I just think it'd be fun to really. I'm so curious about people who are like truly in their project and purpose, and on such a high vibration that everything that they do is reaches the world, right? And I have such a curiosity about that, so I'd love to hear and just to understand what motivates them and how they stay in that high of a vibration. And if what they've achieved is what they've achieved, like what Mm -hmm. is their ultimate goal? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. All right. Right. This minute you have to get a tattoo. What is it? You can't say, I don't like tattoos. Like you have to get a tattoo. I have tattoos. Uh Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I would probably choose uh, something simple like, this isn't very fun, but like the word love or something like divine order, something okay. like that, simple in a place as like a reminder. Okay. Um, fun fact is that I have an allergy to tattooing. So oh. I probably have a lot more, but they don't do very well on my skin. Oh, shoot. It's so sad. Oh, that I is mean, sad. it's probably a blessing. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> You'd be a walking art project. I probably you? would yes. be. Uh, biggest pet peeve in business? Uh, dishonesty. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's your wish for the next generation? Mm. Compassion and connection. Mm-hmm. I wish for the next generation to become connected again. When does your light shine the brightest? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great question. When I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it probably shines the brightest when I'm playing with Otto mm-hmm. and hanging out with him because he is, he is contagious and his, like he just radiates light. Mm-hmm. Professionally, I would say that it's probably like in times when it clicks and mm-hmm. it's like, you're in such a good place. And like when it worked out for Carrie to announce yeah. her project on the P1440, there's right. just something about those moments that validate that you're on the right track. Right. Everything fires off and you know, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah. I would say that yeah. that's probably those are always good. I moments. mean, there's a lot of things that yeah. light me up. Yeah. I'm and I'm like one of those people that lights up really easily. Yeah. No, that's why it's fun to be around you. So Okay. What, so in the spirit of the big ask podcast, right? What is your big ask either personal or professional right this minute? And how can we help you? Well, I already mentioned one of my big asks. I'm looking for somebody to be, to help. Yes, personally. Right. <laughs> but as an agency, we're growing. And so we're always looking for talented individuals. So I think right now we are looking for an account executive and that is probably our biggest need. We mm-hmm. have so many amazing projects that we already have that are growing that we need additional support on mm-hmm. and then new projects that are coming on. And I am not afraid of growing. I'm just not going to ever grow without quality. Yeah. And so right now we're kind of a little bit of a pumping of the brakes because we're okay. looking for this star yeah. who is um, in alignment with our values as mm-hmm. an organization who gets great results, um, who somehow has made it through without a lot of bad habits. Yeah. <laughs> we can unteach those, but okay. Um, okay. that's probably the most important right. thing that I need right now. Well, if you are listening to this podcast and you are inspired by Jen and the work she's created here with Olive, you are a fool not to reach out to her. And we'll make sure in the show notes that we have all of the best ways to get um, in touch with you. So thank you for saying yes and being the first guest on our podcast. Ah, Thank you. And Jen, I just have to tell you that you do illuminate greatness all the time. And I always love being Um, in your company. So thank you for, for being a force in my life as well. Mm, so thank you. Yeah. I have to tell you that I'm probably just mirroring your own. Oh, you're very sweet. I always am so inspired by you and oh, the things that you do. Thank you. All right. Well, good. Well, thanks for listening to the Big Ass Podcast. I know you have a lot of choices when you fly and when you listen to podcasts. So thank you for spending time with me and Jennifer today. Reviews and sharing our podcast is the best way you can help our podcast grow. If you like what you heard, especially since this is one of our first 10 episodes, please give us a quick rating or review. To stay connected with the Big Ask Podcast, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Big Ask Podcast. Until next time, I hope you find your voice and put your big ask out into the world so you can create the life you want to live. Have a good day, Jen. Oh, you too. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Big Ask Podcast. Like what you heard? Subscribe to and share the podcast with your friends. And be sure to connect with me on social at Miss Nicole Matthews or at Big Ask Podcast. Until next time, let today be the day you make a big ask. Thank you.